welcome to a brand new episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. In this episode, we are joined by Randall from Slack to talk with us about building great user experiences. Randall, thanks for joining us. And can you give us a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? Oh, okay. So I'm Randall Kotnick. Uh, I am, I think my title... The best title best describes me when I do it Slack is technical debt broker. Uh, like, <laughs> I think that's actually that, what's on your LinkedIn. Yeah, isn't it? that is yeah. that is actually my LinkedIn title, uh, and and is what I do is you know go around and essentially Slack has grown so much so fast to that find all these things that are like just lots of paint and spackle and say let's let's take that out and then put something that that really needs to be there and and then we can stop putting out fires all day and have structures that don't catch on fire. That's and, what happens uh, in a startup. It's a startup. Uh, you know, it's. Not a, never a dull moment. We'll put it that way. But uh, favorite happy hour beverage. Uh, I am from upstate New York, and one thing about that is there are lots of apples, and so I love hard ciders. Right on. Which looks like you're having a cider right now. It's a pear cider, so of course I've betrayed, <laughs> I've betrayed my heritage already. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's also give uh, introduction of today's panelists. Jim, you want to start off? Uh, Jim Young, senior software engineer at Netflix, and my LinkedIn title is the Catman of Cali. Is that really true? <laughs> yeah, go, love it's, it. It's on there. Oh, wow. <laughs> Augustus Yoon, senior software engineer at Evernote, and my title's just so- software engineer. So, <laughs> but I'll change it. Maybe. Stacy London, senior front end engineer at Atlassian, and my LinkedIn title is incredibly boring and exactly the same. Uh, I'm Mars Julian. I'm a senior software engineer at Netflix. If I were to give myself a creative LinkedIn title, I think it would be Chief Wino of Ooh. Netflix. Yes, please change that now. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, whining, complaining, and drinking wine, all in my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix. I'm pretty sure that's what's on my LinkedIn. I'm needing to get more creative, I think, so... Uh. Maybe it literally I'll, doesn't matter. Like, just maybe I will let my team name it in my title. That's even better. <laughs> oh, good luck with that. <laughs> you're like the angry Canadian. Because it's ironic. Because you're not yeah, angry. Yeah, because I'm not angry Canadian. and Canadians so nice. are usually not. <laughs> <laughs> all right. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Empathy. 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 I feel like we're going to be having a lot of empathetic drinks today. That Cheers. is going to happen. Oh, Cheers. Yes. Cheers. You Cheers. <laughs> All right. I figured a good way to just start, if we're talking about user experience, how would each of you define user experience? I would d- define it as intuitive. So I shouldn't even have to really think of how to use a, us- a good user experience. It just should just feel very natural. Like when I come to a product, I want to be able to just say, hmm, let me try this. Oh, that worked. That was easy. And that that's how I define user experience. Basically, like how you, anybody that uses the products that you build um, and the software, how they feel um, and if that, what kind of like, if it's positive or negative, that's all, that's all kind of encapsulated in user experience. It doesn't necessarily have to be positive, but it is like how um, that person is feeling, thinking, seeing, hearing, all of the senses um, related to how they interact with your site or your app. I feel like good user experience, I don't have to read a manual Mm. or read me. I think that that is always a good bar to set is like it should just kind of work and be really intuitive. Yeah, I agree. It's sort of like the product doesn't get in the way of what what the user is trying to accomplish, if that makes any sense. You don't have to like say I'm like going into a bank app or something and i have to think about how to get to my statement i shouldn't have to think about how to get to my statement i should be able to just open my statement when i want to open my statement and then for me sometimes i think the great user experiences have like a little thing on top like oh i didn't know i could do that that makes like what i do every day like repetitive action so much easier so it's it's like another thing on top like the developers recognizing that this is repetitive and we can optimize it not only is it easy to do it in the first place but hopefully we can optimize it going forward I want to modify what I said too. I said seeing, which was sort of exclusionary. So somebody could be sightless and still experience your. You your, did also say experiencing. But yeah, like someone who uses a screen reader. Yeah. They have a, a, a different kind of user experience, but it's still a user experience. Well, and I think even more important to get out of their way is like, how do we make it really easy for someone to navigate? And- yep. Yeah. It's just like for a lot of what I've done is in UX of internal tooling. And it's like, uh, there's all these other engineers around me trying to get their job done. It's like so many times the interface is in the way of getting the job done. It's like, how do I deal with this? What do I, what, where do I get the thing? Like, like you're talking about, it's like, 
how do I just make everyone more efficient? They just don't even think about it. They're just like, oh, there's a thing I want. I get it, and I'm on my way. I like, Mars, I like your example because it reminded me of the, the – remember the early days of the web and flash intros, and you have like <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> a seven-minute-long flash intro to your page? I mean, I miss those days. That was so great. It was he, good, but – People like- would spend so much time and money building these uh, immaculate flash intros. With and then you had the skip and I I feel like everyone skipped like Everybody nobody skips. cares yeah that's my point like that wasn't a good user experience it was a fun like experience to build but at the end of the day they're just trying to get to like whatever they're trying to get to so yeah it it just it you seamlessly navigate to wherever you're trying to get to or you do whatever you're supposed to do yeah I think also like we I think I've mentioned we've sorry we've heard like mentioned navigation a lot and to go back to one of Stacy's point about feeling. Um, sort of like the feelings or the emotions that you experience through a user experience it's getting quite redundant but <laughs> um, one of the things that like we've seen at least in when building our sign up flow is that it's not just about like how do we get our user from A to B the ultimate goal of signing up but is how do we get our users to trust us enough to give us their information and that actually is really interesting because in some of the examples we've used it's about getting to the point faster but here and i feel like it's sometimes slowing the user down to like fully comprehend what they're like the action they're about to take and get to trust the product and the people behind it that they're signing up for you know i'm so proud of all of us because we nailed user experience the first time around but when most people think ux they think ui but like we all talked about user experience none of us talked about ui which is really amazing for all. Like we, we just like jump straight to the definition. Yeah. UI is important though. Like on top of so that, what's the difference is... between user interface and user experience? Oh, I saw a great XKCD comment today. Ooh. Comment today, and I want to pull it up because I need to read it word for word because it was great. Um, and it goes actually one level beyond uh, user experience, which is you. They call it UZ. Let me pull it up. Um, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it's great. Oh, it goes even further. But I'll just stick to these three. So um, for UI. Uh, XKCD defines it as elements of the interface that the user encounters. And then for UX, it's the user's experience of using the interface to achieve goals. So more of a focus on the experience rather than the interface. And then this is actually my personal favorite, which I would love to delve more into just in life. Uh, UZ, the psychological roots of the user's motivation for seeking out the interaction in the first place. Ooh, <laughs> and that's that meta. Me, that to me is even more interesting because you're talking about like their the actual experience or they're experiencing but also going even further like why are they here i mean okay that sounds (laughs) (laughs) i meant more and i mean i thought it was interesting like building empathy with the user for example (laughs) not just thinking about like making it a happy path which is actually a term that we use a lot in, in our field but also like why are they here in the first place and how can we make that reason more um enjoyable yeah because you can get the the users like you can get the their task can be easily accomplishable or like the ui gets out of their way but maybe they don't feel good yeah at the end of it like yeah i've I've definitely my favorite phrasing for this is is right as a great landing at the wrong airport (laughs) (laughs) i've I've definitely been at been at startups where that was like this great you know we built this great product that no one wanted to use and it was like no one had actually sat down with someone said is this something you want (laughs) and for me that's the difference it's like what am i building you know am i building the right thing and then actually building it yeah and i think that's like really important uh randall even what you got there is like thinking about how do we understand what we're building and like who are we building it for what's the problem that we're solving for because i think as engineers that's the whole point is like better understanding what am i creating and like what problem am i solving because you're right if you just solve a problem that no one had then it's useless or putting in a feature that nobody uses useless so i think there's probably ways too that we could do better at that is understand what we're building i think you've even brought this up randall i've seen in some of your talks is uh just even reaching out to the users or like asking people to really understand how can i make your life easier and i know working on internal tools that's a little bit easier to do but i mean even if you're working on a large product like netflix like we do user testing where we are going out and speaking with users and real world situations and asking them questions to help us better understand like what we're creating are there other things like i always think talking to the user is a great way to better understand that but are there other ways that we as engineers could make great user experiences or help make better user experiences uh there's one for on the accessibility front you can do things like um 
uh, build empathy on your team by having like a cheers. Cheers. I knew that word was coming. Uh, like have a day where you can only use your keyboard um, to navigate your own app and see if you can do it successfully without reaching for the your mouse and and that's like a great way to like uh understand what the experience is for somebody that may not be able to use a mouse or whatever yeah and on things like that like uh chrome uh the dev tools actually you can simulate really slow internet connections and things like that and that's a good one I have a great, really fast connection to localhost, uh, and so everything loads perfectly the first time. It's, it's amazing how that <laughs> <I know>. works. <laughs> and it then, works on my computer. Yeah, and then you, and then you slow it down to something. Uh, you know, it's like it just even like three G, uh, which millions, you know, if not billions of people connect to the internet on three G every day. It's like, oh, <laughs> whoops, <laughs> we should optimize that a bit more. Seven megabyte bundle might be too big, <laughs> <laughs> but that image is beautiful. You know. Oh, I thought it was a flash animation. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, good UX is it's the shortest path between what I need to do, where I started, and where I'm trying to get. That's the way I look at it. Like a login screen should be the login's in the top right-hand corner because like that's just the standard we have on the internet now. I click a button, and it takes me to the login page. It's not like three other steps between what I'm trying to do and where I'm trying to get. That, to me, is a good UX, which a lot of places forget, like banks. You're logged to your bank and you're like, I just want to see my account balance or something like that. But it's like 50 screens before that. It's just like, but, but have you heard about our new here. premium oh, like, just just like a bonus <laughs> app deal? Every time I log in, it's some new promotion. Yeah, don't care. Get me to my statement. Yeah, it, it's like, it's insulting because like they know what I'm here to do and you're just like throwing up roadblocks as much as possible. That's a bad. You've read the first two paragraphs of this article. Would you like to subscribe to the newsletter? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> that one's so good yeah no i don't give a shit about your newsletter <laughs> man i got a full screen takeover on a newsletter the other day it was like you know there's usually little pop-ups and you're like oh that's annoying i got a full screen one and it was like impossible to find a close button it was could you even you couldn't even click but like you know how most modals even if they like gray out the background you couldn't even click on the background no. wow that's some bad ux <laughs> You know, I kind of feel like we're headed down that direction. Like, what are some examples, maybe good examples of bad UX? Because I have lots of them, and I'm interested in hearing other people's. Uh, and I mean, maybe it's not just in software. I think user experience in hardware or day-to-day -day interactions, like there's, you know, the famous stares at Netflix that I know even Jacques Favreau on our team had given a talk at Netflix, really like outlining these stares that are just not in an optimal place they look good that is one thing oh, is the they, they actually is the landscaping <laughs> is beautiful but functionality is they're like out of the way there's like you have to like kind of walk backwards to walk forwards it doesn't make a lot of sense and so i think even some physical things just need to be rethought and be a lot better and more efficient for user experience any other examples that people have of bad ux oh yeah bad ux i mean we can get to good ux but Starting bad is always good. Cat captures with like pick the Cat twelve <laughs> pick the twelve uh, tiles that, that have, have cats in them. Have a cat in them, and then I would like them so much more if they had cats. Yeah, uh, it's always instead like, of stop signs, yeah, stop signs, sign. <laughs> storefronts, <laughs> cars. So something that they mentioned, they're using that to to train their AI models. This is like Google captures. Oh, it's, it's true. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I don't work. Google, yeah, yeah, I know. Just a it's conspiracy theory I'm throwing out there. One of the things that I've seen, and I'll generalize it just like between apps, is um kind of like non-contextual pop-ups. And that comes in like a variety of forms, like whether it's a full screen takeover, you open an app and it's like, oh, let me tell you this new thing. I'm like, no, no, no. This is not at all related to what I want to do. And basically, I think it's bad for two reasons. One, it annoys me because it's getting in the way of what I came to the application to do. And two, I don't even read it. So the company doesn't get the benefit of like spreading the word of this new product or whatever, um, because it's just at such an inopportune and time and just not at all in context and i think that's a really bad pattern that we need to get better at unfortunately it's kind of one of the only ways to service information to the user sometimes depending on like the the application and how much screen space you have but um if they were more contextual i feel like that would be a direction worth seeing that pattern move i also wonder too is like if you were the brand or whatever product that's being displayed in that instance i wonder if there's like a negative connotation towards that product because of the poor user experience too. Well, in addition to not reading like, right right, there? right. Yeah, but if definitely. you did notice it yeah, was like no, definitely whatever that is 
I, I have a bad example, but before before I say it, because um, it's kind of related to it, is I want to say that sometimes it's really hard to know something is a bad experience, which is, I think all of our companies do this, but um, A-B testing is very, very important for knowing, because not everything that is like typically like, oh, this is great, this is great user experience, it might not work for your product. So it's really, really important to test those things. So kind of segueing to my example is carousels generally have a bad rep for ux um i know netflix does it because it is an exception and typically the reason carousels are bad ux is you know if you're hiding like content that you want your user to find they have to make multiple steps to like get through it they have to like slide through and then when it gets to mobile they have to slide so there's a lot of reasons why they're not good ux i think there's even a site that's called should i use carousels.com it's literally it's just no no, no. <laughs> Is it a carousel of just yeah. no in different fonts? <laughs> that would to be, be honest. I think it it is like it is a carousel. <laughs> it says no, but then it also gives you reasons why you shouldn't. I agree with them all. I really like that you brought up baby testing because I think that's really interesting in the con in the mm -hmm. context of user experience. Because one, we we don't know what the users want, so there's that barrier as well. But then on top of that, I think there's an additional barrier. Um, that users don't know what they want either. So yeah. even if you talk to them and as much empathy cheers, cheers. Cheers. that you can build with them, um, they'll tell you what you want. And you're like, oh, this is a great implementation of this idea. But then it won't work at all because it'll it'll either detract from their experience or will get in the way of, of the goal that they're trying to accomplish through your product. And so A-B testing is a really interesting way to not only figure out what version of your idea is a good user experience, but also what version of your idea is a good user experience, despite what the users are saying as well. Yeah, there's there's one example I had where um, so uh, I one of the geeks who stood in line for a Tesla, uh, and I finally like get to buy this thing, and I'm super psyched, and I'm like, well, you need insurance for your car, fine, but we have this deal with an insurance company that I won't name, uh, and you click here, and I clicked here, and it said, all right, what's the make and model of your car? And I was like, oh, I wonder if you could have figured that out from where the link came from. But okay, fine, I'll play along. Tesla was not listed. It wasn't in the list. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I could not actually insure my car from that page. And you're like, but you need to insure it before you leave the lot. Yeah, so I just went with another insurance company that was much easier to set up. And all of a sudden, like, after that, they probably paid Tesla lots of money to get, like, that deal. And they... <laughs> completely blew it <laughs> yeah that would be interesting too was there this partnership and they actually didn't even like it's not working very well we're no one's signing up for it <laughs> hmm. <laughs> i wonder why i'll just say this is not software related but airports are a terrible user experience oh. <laughs> nobody which, wants which to go one, to an yeah like what is good about it <laughs> nothing nothing there's nothing it is it's like the most offensive thing but you have to do it because either that you take a bus or a train are there trains anymore? No Wasn't trains. it really nice in like the 50s or whatever? You know, like... You could smoke on an airplane. <laughs> you know, <laughs> hey, I, I've got to say that is a nice added That's benefit. True. I do not want people smoking on my plane. They're just... Yeah, airports are terrible. That's it. I only, I only have to go into detail. I mean, airplanes are terrible too. Uh, the DMV. Oh. Which is like the classic thing everyone always says. But it is it is true. Like, it is a bad user experience. It's It's not efficient. It's... People are angry. the The atmosphere is like dreary. There's just so much about it that's like and everyone just feeds off that negative attitude. Yeah, and then everyone gets grumpy and like, yeah. Maybe there's a nice one somewhere. <laughs> well, I also like the stairs example that Ryan brought up because they they um they at Netflix they made these like very I wouldn't even call them architectural. They're they're visually pleasing <laughs> stairs organized <laughs> related to the buildings. And it's such a bad user experience that all of the employees had trod a path through the grass to the point where they just decided to pave it, pave it over because cow path. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um because it was just so like highly inefficient and it, honestly it takes like an extra minute just to get to the building if you don't use that path. So that was interesting. Yeah, I wonder how much time is saved if you just cut the path. Well, also, not to mention that um, there's a parking garage as well at Netflix, which only has stairs on one side, and there's like four buildings. So, um, anyways, just... I, I have so many bad examples. Um, Audible. Anybody, if you ever had an Audible subscription, they silently re rebill you. You get a free trial, free book, whatever. They silently re rebill you, uh, and I don't care that I'm calling them out, because they know what they're doing. Um, and then you figure out, like, oh, crap, I'm getting billed, and I totally... Did not get an email about it. They started billing me. Um, you go to cancel and it's seven steps because I counted them to cancel your membership on Audible. And like every step, it's like, hey, what if we offered you this? And I'm like, 
why didn't you just give me that before? If I was such a valued member, why do I have to like say it almost devalues their product? It does. It's intentional friction. It is intentional friction. But like if I canceled, I like that phrase. Mm, That's a good talk next time. Yeah. Intentional Uh friction. Sounds so smart. Uh, But like if something's (laughs) easy to cancel, then I I may come back. I may be like, oh, that was easy. Like, oh, come back to it. But like Audible, I will never recommend it to anybody ever because it's just like so painful. Um, Sites where autofill doesn't work. Like Ooh, I am, yeah. I am likely to not buy your product. So I'm like, I'm not getting my credit card and autofill doesn't work. My, I can't put my address. Like that's a bad user experience. Yeah. Because it also means that you probably have to like go find your credit card and fill that form. And it's, yeah, it's not. It's and what's not funny good. is like the UI could be perfect. It could be shiny and beautiful. And it does all sorts of, I don't know. it. Shiny things. Yeah. Shiny things. It's like <laughs> beautiful CSS, whatever. And, but like if autofill doesn't work, then I'm like gone. So that's a that's a good example of like you can have a good UI but a terrible UX. So one that has a kind of maybe on the not so much the autofill but shopping carts in general, just pick whatever shopping site that you're on. They a lot of them do this. It's like put something in your cart and then it will take you to the cart or whatever and you're like continue shopping. I mean that that makes sense, but you hit the continue shopping and it doesn't take you to where you left off. It takes you all yes. the way back to the top yes. of the page. Oh, no. And on a lot of clothing sites, you've probably gone through a lot of things already. And you're like, yeah, thanks. Now I have to go find my way back to where I left off and then keep going. This is not continue shopping. That's like go back to the start of Ikea and then walk through the lines again. Because like, that, you know, Ikea's got those nice That's little lines. <laughs> Exit through the gift shop. You Ooh, have to- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that a good user going, experience that- or is that, the, is that your friction right there? It's your pop-up. Ooh, Ooh, that's good. You know what another one that drives me just nuts? The iOS flashlight. I mean, come on. How many times have you actually used it? And maybe I, maybe this is just me, but where you've actually used it or you've just hit it and it turns on itself and you didn't even know it was turned on. I accidentally turn it on a lot, but I also do intentionally use it too. Okay, but that's good. But I think it's the unintentional point. I don't like the placement. I don't think it's that valuable. I think on the flip side, um, I think, Ryan, you're about to ask about good UX experiences. Sure. <laughs> we can get into some good UX. Well, just your shopping cart um, example reminded me that uh, one user experience that I've really enjoyed is Shopify, which is like a platform used across different e-commerce sites, where if you've shopped with Shopify before, you the minute you enter your email, it sends you a text message and then will autofill all of your information. And this works across e-commerce websites and i just think that's just makes it so simple um i know that in reducing friction in a payment flow sometimes for my own personal benefit is like maybe we should add a little more friction because it's too easy to buy things but um it does make it really easy especially because a lot of i mean we i'm sure most of us spend most of our time on our phones and not having to enter in your credit card information and um your billing details and everything all over again is, is really it's really nice that is really cool. So, And when you mean it, it's across multiple sites. It's anyone who uses Shopify. Anyone who integrates with Shopify, once it recognizes you as someone who's used their platform before and also agreed to, to have them save your information, then it will auto-populate everything for you. I think the same for Square. If you like, you put in, you pay with your credit card or whatever, they have your email already and they have your phone so they can like, text you to receipt. It's like zero friction once you use it once. That's a really good experience. I mean, I'm a big fan of the like Amazon just purchase or figure, like one time quick purchase or whatever. I mean, it is dangerous because I'm just like, yep, done. And it's like, <laughs> it just shows up two days later. I'm like, ah, sweet. I forgot I ordered that. But it is very good user experience in and out. Actually, speaking of Amazon too, I, I'm not like totally fully convinced that voice UI is going to revolutionize the way we interact with our technology yet. But there have been cases where having an Alexa in the kitchen has been really nice. Just, you know, you're multitasking like, oh, I just ran out of, for example, dishwasher pods. Alexa, order me some dishwasher pods. And it's just, for me, that was a great user experience because I can still do what I'm currently doing, not have to pull out my phone and I won't forget. And it's already, you know, it orders it for me and that way it'll be there when I need them next. And that was, that was really nice. Yeah, I think, it's, it's hard to say what will happen with voice in general, but I'm with you on the ease of use. And it's a very good user experience. I found that the most useful when I was a new parent and wasn't sleeping and I'm holding a crying baby. And yeah, you're ordering diapers, you're ordering whatever. And I was like, wow, this is super powerful. It's another point where I think to test anything, give it to a new parent. 
who has not slept. And if they can't do it, <laughs> you should rethink your uh, user experience. That I think that's like how we should be testing our products is just hand it over to like, parents that have like a one month or newborn and just be like, here, does this work for you? And, and then if it doesn't, we need to figure something else out. Yeah, that's something I've always thought about. It's like, you know, I worked with you know, some, some really brilliant engineers who just like really just intuitively got things. But you get paged at three in the morning, you you don't intuitively get anything. It's like, uh, the what's the where's the on button? Let me figure that out. It's like no one is smart after a long day and then getting woken up in the middle of the night. You know, they need the basics and they need like what is going on right there in front of them. But they're one of the things that that we've done for internal tools at Slack. Uh, so we have this long list of uh, error types and then customized help messages. Just basically next steps specifically for this and specifically for the next thing. So so whatever goes wrong, it's not just like, I don't know, go ask someone. It's like, okay, you know, GitHub error, do this. You know, another error, do that. So just kind of like give that immediate, like something went wrong. So it's not great already. You're losing points in the you know, UX department. But uh, to be able to say, all right, this is what you do next. And most of the time it works. Useful errors is actually a very helpful practice yeah. to build great user experience. Human readable errors. Yeah, human yeah. readable errors. Error four one 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 zero. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. A cat shoot through your Ethernet cable. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that could be helpful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard uh, calling calling them help messages instead of error messages. You know, just uh, kind of shift your thinking into into what it's supposed to do. I really like that. That's, That's really good. good. Slack does a pretty like great job. I think of like making the error messages yeah more helpful or useful or not so uh, techy and impossible to understand. Four oh four. <laughs> but I guess that brings up a really good point that a huge part of a user experience is communication, like communicating to the user what is going on right now. Like I feel there are times you can get super confused, like what just happened here? And it's, it just really helps to be like, oh, there was a sync error, but don't worry, blah, blah, blah. We can reload the page or something. Yeah, even giving someone instructions on what to do, even if it is unplug and plug it back in, <laughs> that could actually be very valuable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, this kind of makes me think Twitter has this like subtle page where if you click on a link, it's, it says directing you to this link. But if it doesn't direct you, click here, which I think just does this thing where it clears the cache for you or something. But it's like a really nice feature, like if you were in, stuck on that page. I've actually had times where I was stuck and I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I get I, the viewers can't hear, see what I did. I did a pressing thing. So. <laughs> yeah, like in, in Slack, it's the same thing. It's like if, if for any reason the client can't connect to the servers, we do say the same thing. It's like we can't connect to the servers. That's bad. Please, you know, re refresh the client or, you know, close it and open up again. And my favorite part is it ends with uh, something we suggest out of a great regret and self-loathing at the end of saying, like, yeah, we screwed up. And, like, so many times you see, like, the big corporations never apologize for anything. And obviously it's like, oh, nope, it's mostly somebody else's fault. And being able to say, like, have that, you know, empathy. Uh, and, and Cheers. 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 To say, like, yeah, we screwed up. This is our bad. But uh, hopefully we can we can make it better. I like that. Nobody's perfect. We're all going to make mistakes. Software is terrible. It, yeah, it's like <laughs> when when have you ever not shipped a bug? Like it's it's just it doesn't happen. Uh, so I think just owning that and be like, yeah, this could be better. And I mean, software is cool because it's very iterative. You can tweak it, make it better, learn from some mistake, and switch it up. So I like that is just owning the mistake. Be like, yeah, we screwed up. It's cool. We'll fix that. On top of error messages, you know what I love when I like go to some service or app or whatever. I put in my email and I try to put in a password and it's like, I like when they're like, oh, this account's not found versus invalid password because they're two very different responses to the same thing. And one is like, oh, maybe I don't have an account with this site or maybe I use a different email or something like that versus like account not found. So I'm trying a different password, trying a different password. Like one is so much faster, but it's such a better user experience and it's like a minor thing, but. I don't know. They they add up over time. Yeah, I've seen uh, like if you, you try to create a new account and you enter a uh, username and password for an account that already exists, they just log you in. It's like, yeah, you try to create an account that like, but you already created that account, so we'll just log you in because. It, but you you have the credentials, like you right. you are putting in the right username and password. Right, it has to be the right user. If it's a, the same username and a different password, they'll they'll give you an error. Okay. But if it's the, the right username and the right password, then they're like, you just logged in. Is that a good? user experience or a bad user experience i i like it because it's like you know you probably forgot you had an account on yeah. the site yeah i was gonna argue the good but i was like maybe he's going in the bad direction uh, uh but you know i think that's good and, and it's what i was trying to do anyway i wanted to to, to get yeah. an account on the site exactly and you so. don't even have to get you're just out of their way i think some of the points though sometimes i think there's like 
even security reasons why to not be too prescriptive. It's like, hey, you have the right email, but the wrong password. Or I, th- I think sometimes companies try to make it a little obfuscated. They're just, yeah, not showing that. I, I've user. heard that, but like, it is not real security. That's it's like not. Security, mm. it, it, like security that makes you feel better, but it doesn't actually do any better for and the it, user. And I think it probably hurts the real user more than it actually yeah. prevents. Like hackers are like going to get in. Yeah, they're, they're going to figure really that out. In, but they're mostly just They're like, oops, okay, no, the, the message. So they're probably not even looking at the message. They have a bot doing this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so actually a fun, a fun New York story about hackers is when you ever go to companies and they're kind of internal login pages. Like if you're outside of the the... VPN or whatever and you're trying to log in internally usually look terrible. There's like no UX. Uh, like Google's definitely looks like it was designed in 97 and then no one ever updated it. And I found out recently that's deliberate that they make these pages look really crummy and really old. So everyone's tries to like attack the page and hack into that page, but they've put great security on it. They just make it look bad <laughs> to kind of attract oh, everyone. To th- really? No way. Yeah. Really? Bad. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, just to, to, like the, the ha- all the hackers try to go after that, and they're like, Haha, "You're not going after everything else." Because <laughs> <laughs> you're dumb. I like uh, contextual stuff. Uh, Stash does this. I think Bitbucket too. Like they have the little icons off to the left for different things, which I don't use Stash or Bitbucket too often, so I don't really know what they mean. But if I hover over, it tells me what it does, which is like really simple. But a lot of sites uh, and Snapchat is super guilty of this, um, which I don't use, but. Like, they assume you know things. They assume you're, like, some level of user versus, like, hey, you could be a power user, but just in case you're not, here's a little helpful thing. I'm like, oh, cool. That, that's really nice. I That's good UX. Yeah, anything you do for your user in the moment, like, like that is, is so nice. Mouse over, placeholders, uh, like, little stuff like that is really helpful. One thing uh, Bitbucket was doing was, like, if you haven't created a repository yet, you're, like, brand new to everything, instead of just being, like, no repositories as like your message and be like, oh, you don't have anything, but maybe you would want to create one. Here's some ways to learn about how to do that if you're not super familiar, kind of new to Git. Um, stuff like that's like really nice UX. It's like leading you into understanding how to use a thing even. And, and like because Bitbucket or GitHub or they're like really technical tools that are that are hard for some people. If you're not super familiar with Git, you want a UI to abstract away some of that difficulty so like that kind of stuff i think helps make good ui and that's likely could be their very first time interacting with git and so yeah you could be really helpful in this moment i think it even leads back to mars had brought up the happy path and i think as (laughs) so many times as engineers we focus on the happy path and i think to build a better user experience is thinking about it all these different edge cases and how those edge cases can be more intuitive and that that to me is an, a bit of an edge case it's not really happy path because it's i mean i guess it is your brand new user it's going to be shown to the user but it's like you could have just said well it's there's no repositories and that's it and then well most users will have repositories so that's the happy path uh it's really thinking about that case where no they came in here for the first time what does that look like i think that's a really good idea any uh, advice that you would give, kind of as before we get into picks, any advice that you would give other engineers that would help them be better about thinking about creating better user experiences? So I, I was joking with uh, my wife, Lauren, and because sometimes my parents will call me and they'll ask me for computer help, which is, <laughs> we've all been there. Ooh, like everyone yes. in the room is nodding. Like, That's no, a given. Uh, mm-hmm. We've all been there. And sometimes like, ah, it's so frustrating. But she was like, you know what? Someday we'll be older and we will not be as familiar with virtual reality, augmented, whatever like the next thing is. And you're going to have to explain that. So like, that's how you should treat everything. Like someday you will not understand what is going on. You'll be very confused or technology has moved past you and you'll need someone to help you. And like, that's how you should build good UX. So can I summarize that by saying build empathy? <laughs> yes. Cheers. 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 I think one thing I've also seen happen a lot and it might be at like more obscure products that we don't use on a day-to-day basis is engineers not using their product at all. Um, not even remotely. And I think there's, there's a case to be made. It's, and this isn't like a testing capacity. Like I'm not saying like go and do all of, I mean, you should be doing QA as well, but don't go and do all of your own QA. But for the sake of doing it, just in order to like get through the product, try the feature that you're adding. And, you know, you have the most context about like that product itself, but you should try to load it up in a context other than, oh, I need to make sure that this button is working, um, which is like, that's the user interaction and not the user experience. So 
And maybe like, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Cheers to that. And even if you don't have the ability to use your own products, let's say you're building something that, like I I had worked on software for contact centers at one point for like 1-800, you know, you're calling into a a helpline and there's, you know, a bank of people trying to answer phone calls and the software was meant to help do that. Well, I can't really use it because it's like I'm not a, a big... I can't make myself turn into a call center. <laughs> so like how do you how do you do it at that point? And I think at that point you you ask and and see if you can visit a call center and witness and watch and that actually 100% will build your empathy just like spend time with people that are actually using Cheers. your stuff. I love that you brought up the call center too. It's like, yeah, that was going to be my thing is like go watch people use it and understand how they're using your product. But I've even visited the call center for Netflix and just listened to people calling in with their problems. And there's a couple of things that my team is responsible for where I'm like, oh, we could make that so much better. And it was just like it sparks those ideas. And it wasn't necessarily something broken or wrong. It was just that it was not intuitive for that person at the time. And you, you look at it, you're like, yeah, I could see that. And so how can we make that better? Oh, okay, let's rethink that. And just, it was like small things too, that maybe it's like different contrast in a button or just different placement of something. It made a huge difference. So I think that was, I'm going to play off that as advice is like really find ways to hear from your users. Yeah, I was going to de- definitely with that to like, to, to listen listen to the user complaints. Um, some of them are going to be superfluous because people like to complain, but there are a lot of them, you know, like, what are they trying to do here and why are we in the way? What, what are we doing that's stopping them from, from getting what they want? Uh, we used to have a channel uh, at Slack called Beef Tweets. And it was, <laughs> and it was all of all the tweets that, that had beef w- with Slack. Uh, I think we renamed it to Paper Cuts, uh, which Ooh. is, yeah, well, so it's like all the, all the little things. It's not going to be this big project that, you know, or whatever. It's going to take two quarters to finish. But something, small things that you could make, like, um, and then GitHub just, uh, when they you finally were able to copy code out of it, it didn't pick up little pluses and minuses on the left. It was like the best day ever. <laughs> it was just this little paper cut that someone finally sat down and fixed. So much better. As engineers, are you supposed to look at that so often? Are you like supposed to pick a paper cut and fix it? Or just like, it, does it become noise? Or is it something that you're trained to look at once in a while? It's uh, It's organic, I think, still at this point. It's just like as things pop up, someone will say, oh, hey, you know, like... I'll pass that on to you know Alice or Bob or whatever because I know they were working in that area things like that. That's cool. I, I like it. Alice and Bob. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's pretty interesting too because like um even if you don't work at a larger company where you actually have like the resources to go and talk to your users, there's definitely tools online where you can um like user testing tools where you can recruit sets of users and they'll use your, your website and you kind of get to see a recording of, of them go around and try to use stuff. And sometimes they'll talk out loud as much as they can. But what's really interesting there, I think is like with trying to talk to users, we don't always get the answers, but we can start asking better questions. And I think Randall, you kind of touched on this a little bit in what you were just saying. And that's really important is, is to start asking better questions. Like what are we doing wrong? Not like, Oh, I can fix this immediately by making that button red. I mean, that might solve the problem. It might not. Um, but to kind of get pointed in a better direction. What I like that you touched on, there's other ways. Like if you, you don't have a call center for your company, okay, well, that a lot of companies probably don't. Go to Starbucks. Hey, I'll buy you a coffee. Can you look at my product? Like So many people have time to do that and they'll just give you feedback. And yes, it's very, you just have to take with a grain of salt, but there could be something very valuable from that person that you're getting. So just spending time with like five people could be very valuable. It, it can be one of the most infuriating things to sit there and watch someone use your software. Click the button. Like, it's right there. The click button is there. Click the button. The right button right is there. Click the button. But, but you learn something really valuable right. and that is... You know, it's, it's the button's hard to find. It needs to be bigger or more obvious or whatever. Perhaps the louder the decibel in the room, the bigger the problem you have in your UX. <laughs> I, I want to echo what everyone said. Actually, mine was going to be like watch videos because that is really how you build empathy. Cheers. 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 But and, and then I guess another thing is I, I know some people do this. I know my company sometimes does this, but I feel we're better about it is sometimes we try to take shortcuts and user tests within the company. But that's not that's not the same. That's not fair. You're all experts in your own product. So naturally, a lot of things are a lot more intuitive to you. It's really important to test on real users. That's very valid, too. 
I mean, you you could spot check with someone yeah, else, yeah. but if there's something clearly broken, then it's you know, of course that's great. But there have been a lot of times where a user tried to do something very random that no one naturally would intuitively try to do, but you know, maybe for them, the product wasn't intuitive to them at all, and just like, oh, we didn't expect that. Oops. So you need a bigger sample size. <laughs> you just can't use your own company for it. Yeah. Uh, one other cool thing um, it, that you could do, if you have uh, this, if you have to have kind of the infrastructure around it. But if you have a way to um, receive customer feedback um, and display it to everybody, like on like wall boards or um, like Slack monitors channel. or Slack <laughs> channels, yeah, hook hook up your Slack to your Twitter and see what people are saying. They have in real many time amazing or, integrations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's cool because like you can just kind of see it frequently um or if you have a, a dashboard somewhere where you're you're bringing in customer feedback um in real time so people can kind of get a feel for like hey we just rolled out this feature and everyone's like complaining about it on twitter like oh maybe maybe that's bad like we should probably dig into that we have that for fun and happy hour we have a <laughs> slack channel where it feeds the twitter and we just check it and see what people are saying good thing they're not bitching at us no people love us <laughs> <laughs> All right. At the end of each episode, we like to share pics of things that we've, you know, found some found some interesting things that we want to share uh, with our listeners. Let's go around and share our pics. Mars, it looks like you're starting it off. Oh, all right. Thanks, Jem, for for that. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. So <laughs> <laughs> that was Augustus. Is that a chipmunk? <laughs> Augustus has been squeaking all night. <laughs> um, so my first pick I have is uh, Front End Masters. Actually, I, maybe it was a couple weeks ago. They put out a Front End Developer Handbook um, in 2019, which is, I wouldn't necessarily call it, I mean, I think it is a handbook. They do a really good job of running down sort of what's happened in the industry in the past year. But it does have a lot of link outs also to really useful articles for each topic. So I've been slowly making my way through. I think I've made it down four bullet points. I can't help but get distracted with all the other things that they're referencing. But so if you're looking for a good resource, that's been pretty interesting to to dig through. And then my second pick is, um, I might even call it a Valley Silicon pick because I know Jem is going to laugh at me for <laughs> that's this. That's copyright. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so I have two cats at home who um, I would call them poop machines because that's just what they do all day is produce <laughs> excrement. Um, and so there's this new automatic litter box I just, <laughs> I just discovered called the Litter Robot. And I call it Valley Silicon because it's very expensive. It's very tech forward. It looks like a space shuttle when it arrives it's gigantic however that being said i have two cats who constantly produce stuff um and i don't have to go near my litter box for like a week honestly it that's pretty impressive it keeps itself clean very very well um and it also has like a big drawer for all of the stuff that's produced and um if you get the right version it's also got an app so you don't have to go near it it'll just tell you that um your litter box needs to be attended to Shitter's so full. <laughs> how much is this litter box Mars? um so the you can go visit on the site and see. Yeah, I've several on my yacht. <laughs> <laughs> Each room has their own litter box. Still, it's not invited to our yacht. I know that's true. <laughs> Never will be. I will say it is a little on the pricier side. However, it is worth the investment because I have used automatic litter boxes before, and they're they keep breaking. They're maybe half the price, and I have to buy one every two years. Mars, it sounds like it's a good user experience. That's a great user experience. I have so much empathy. For I don't know what. <laughs> Cheers, Cheers for poop. <laughs> I do call it the poop machine. So, all right, Stacy, how how do you follow a poop machine? Actually, my my first pick follows in the spirit of what we were just talking about, and poop. my first pick oh, is no. Shit's Creek. <laughs> The show? <laughs> yep. That's a great show. <laughs> it's a good show. And I, I only, I should have watched it earlier. It's so, so good. It's hilarious. It's so funny. I laugh out loud more than I have in a long time. Like maybe Arrested Development was the last time I laughed out loud that much. So um, very, very funny. If you like mockumentaries and maybe like absurdist humor, I don't know, like that kind of thing. It's it's great. It's got it's dark humorish. Dark. Like yeah. So yeah, that's my first pick. That's the second, pretty hilarious. <laughs> second pick is a song uh, called Mayday by an artist called Mike Slot, and it's sort of a lighthearted, uh, very layered uh, techno song that I really enjoy. Um, that I've been enjoying recently as I code. Right on, Randall. What do you have for our listeners? 
Did you know you can buy swords on Amazon? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> this is news to me. Yes. You can buy swords on Amazon. What kind of swords are we talking about? Um, so, so a specific I, sword that <laughs> there's all sorts of swords. Uh, so, um, so, so the, the news is, you know, uh, my wife and I are expecting uh, a child in July, and she oh, had a big congrats, shower. Congrats, that's awesome. And made the mistake of letting me know not only the time, but also the location of this, so I got two of my coworkers to dress up as witches and deliver a sword. <laughs> as one does. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and uh, there, there was this moment, I'm like, where do I get a sword? And I looked it up on Amazon. You can buy swords on Amazon. <laughs> I mean, you can pretty much get anything on Amazon. Can you buy a car on Amazon? Yes. I really? So. I heard. Oh, wow. Wow. There was a thing about this. Well, I don't know if you could buy a car so much as they like allow you to curate your Amazon garage so you can tell it what cars you have so you can find all the relevant products you need. That's actually pretty useful. That sounds good like a user good experience. user experience. <laughs> 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 all right, so, so you can buy you bought a sword on Amazon. Sword on Amazon. Uh, and I guess I guess a little more focus on like developers um uh the the there's a video game called Factorio. Uh, and I absolutely love it. Uh, and you build a factory, and Jem is nodding very heavily at me right now. I have played it extensively, yes. and and it's and it really scratches the the software engineering itch more so than any other game I've ever played. Augustus, what do you have? So my picks, I have two picks. One is uh, this article about Svelte three. So Svelte is an, another framework. I don't I, I don't want to add more, you know, to the framework. No, I mean, but, I mean we probably but, need another episode yeah. to talk about all <laughs> frameworks. Yeah, but the, but this new uh, the new update they've added to this. Um, um, I think Rich Harris has an article called "Rethinking Reactivity," and he has a talk. Um, it's a really interesting article of how they're kind of rethinking how front end frameworks might work. Um, I, I don't feel like an expert on it, so I won't like speak to it. But I heavily recommend the read and at least you know trying to see. I I actually like really encourage this kind of thinking, like. How can we like grow and like how we can rethink things, you know? So, I think we should always be doing that. Exactly. So, and then uh, my second pick uh, is about um, actually Randall had a talk on at NG Atlanta about Parable the Blender. I highly recommend checking that out too. Um, I'll, we'll have it. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's all about great user experience. It is about one of my great favorite experience. talks of all time. It's it so a really great talk. Oh, wait, yeah. can we also say like he went on stage with a Viking hat? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that was did pretty you have awesome. A sword? I did not have a sword at that time. He didn't time. know about yeah. Amazon swords yet. That's right. Yeah. So, a quick shout out to that. But um, I think um, in that talk, he talked a little bit about personas for people who don't know that. It's like, you know, really kind of depicting what your target demographic is. And there's also this other thing that I heard when I was talking to some designers, um, another framework called Jobs to Be Done. Um, and so, this article kind of talks about the differences between personas and Jobs to Be Done, which essentially is that you. You're, the target people you're talking about, they might be a, a persona, but they have certain jobs of what they need to get done. And that's why they might choose your software or something. So it's another way of looking at how to like target a certain demographic. So I thought it was a really interesting article comparing the pros and cons of it. So, Jim, what do you have? My first pick is a podcast. It's called The Dream. I want to say someone at a conference or meetup recommended it to me and I started listening to it. It's about multi-level marketing. Um, but it's like very, very, very in depth, and it's it's not what I expected. Like why people join it, I'm always like, why do people do multi level marketing? It's obviously a scam. But the reasons behind it are really, really fascinating. It's been one of the more interesting podcasts I've listened to. My second pick is a book by uh, Randall uh, called "Build Reactive Websites with RxJS." Uh, he is the King of observables? Is it you or Ben Lesh, would you say, is the bigger king of observables? It's probably Ben Lesh. Yeah, so Ben's humble. not here. I'm going to say Randall. I'm going to say Randall. Uh, it's the ben person didn't write a book, though. You, he, he just wrote the framework. I mean, <laughs> uh He wrote a book. It came out in December, right? And you cover um, RxJS observables, and you touch on some Angular, right? Yeah, so RxJS observables, uh, how to integrate with Angular, how to integrate with NGRX, uh, and uh, and also some you know fun game development stuff because that's a lot of actual reactive development. How do you? Wait, what is this cover? Is it like a a man with a spyglass? Yeah, he's got like uh, he's he's observing things. Uh, I feel like he needs a sword. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <He's> a sword. <laughs> New framework idea, monocle, or is that already one? It's probably, already one. <laughs> it's probably already one. It's like <laughs> taken enough, is, monocle is, is, JS. Already taken. Any word in English dot JS monocle. is already taken. Wait, we're, we're, we're looking, looking up here. All yeah. the viewers are waiting, and there is a monocle JS. All right, everyone, drink. No. Drink. 
<laughs> Cheers to that. Can we just invent a new drinking game? Oh, yeah. Like, you have to think of a, a, live a library that's not a JS library already? Yeah, we've been doing uh, the Midwest Or do you drink JS. for everyone that is? So, we have it at Midwest JS, uh, and we, we do that every year, and we get very, very drunk. <laughs> I went to Midwest JS. Oh, you did? Yes! When? I used um, to be in the Midwest. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's <actually> <laughs> All right, I have two picks. Both I'm gonna say like both Netflix originals. I feel like Gemini just time. talked about this every On time. Brand. Like yeah, <laughs> but one I'm gonna say is a movie, and I don't like movies that much. I'm starting to find that. Wait, what? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I watch a lot of them, and they're never like that great. I like shows. Like I like a TV show, and I like that much like a lot more. But The Highwayman, so good. It's about the guys who go after Bonnie and Clyde. And so if you've seen like a Bonnie and Clyde story, it's obviously about Bonnie and Clyde. But this story is really based so much more on the the two highwaymen chasing Bonnie and Clyde. And so you don't even really see a lot of Bonnie and Clyde. It's really these two, the story of these two chasing them. It's about the Texas Rangers. Yeah. And it's like based off a true story. And it's really interesting. I found it really well done. So I highly recommend that movie. And then since... Actually, Stacy had mentioned Schitt's Creek. I thought of my favorite dark humor, which released a recent season, is Santa Clarita Diet. I know I've had it as a pick in the past, but season three is so good. I've already seen it a couple times. I really like Santa Clarita Diet. I think it's one of my favorite shows. So I'm going to add that as a pick as well. Before we end the episode, I want to thank Randall. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you on here. Where can people get in touch with you? I mean, they should buy your book, but then where can they get in touch with you to say how great it was? Uh, Yeah, so if you want to buy the book, uh, I set up a bit.ly link at the last minute because that's what I do. Uh, So (laughs) bit.ly slash master observables, and you should get there. Not Ben Lash. (laughs) Yeah, not Ben Lash. And uh, yeah, so Twitter's probably the best place uh, at uh, R-K-O-U-T-N-I-K is my handle on there uh, because I am cursed with the Czechoslovakian uh, surname. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. Make sure to subscribe to Front and Happy Hour podcast on whatever you like to listen to your podcasts on. I mean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I don't know. What what do you like on Android, Gem? Uh, Actually, Google has a podcast app. Yeah, they do, actually. It's okay. It's it's clean. It does what I needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. And follow us on Twitter at FrontendHH. Any last words? Robot cat shitter. (laughs) (laughs) Poop machine. Poop machine. There we go.